Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Bet UK is empowering the everyday wins. Cheeky grins. <laughs> Big conversations. Budding aspirations. Our goal? To make EdTech accessible and teaching exceptional. Join the global education community on the 24th to the 26th of January 2024 as we make education better together. Visit www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. Good evening or good afternoon, I should say, and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. This is the first show of our four show festive schedule. It is the 27th of December, which I'm reliably informed is a Wednesday for those of you who might have forgotten. And joining me, um, well, joining us as hosts tonight for our international special, we have the host of Christmas Past, Daisy Turner, and the host of Christmas Present, Lucy Neuberger. Now, if you would like to be the host of Christmas Yet to Come, you can apply to be a host on Teachers Talk Radio. All you have to do is drop us a DM at TT Radio Official or drop us an email at info at ttradio.org. Um, but without further ado, I will hand over to Lucy, who I think enjoyed that one. Lucy, over to you. I've been waiting all day for that, Mr. Tom Hopkinsburg, and I appreciated it enormously, as I'm sure Daisy did as well. Good evening, Edgy folk. How are we doing this evening? I hope you are all well and suitably full of food and all the other stuff. Uh, good evening to you, Daisy. How are you doing? Good evening. Yeah, good. Um, it's been a manic few days, but um, <laughs> yeah, enjoying the rest. <laughs> oh my gosh. And where in the world are you currently? Yeah, so I'm back in Wales uh, for my Christmas. But yeah, um, I'm only back for two weeks and then back to Saudi work oh wow so uh so only only the two weeks i um i only committed to to a week actually in the end but i have far less far to travel between portugal and here and i've also already squeezed in a trip to to copenhagen as as well so i feel like i've i've, I've done well this christmas yeah you've made the most of that haven't you so it's been it's been really good yeah so I think we should probably explain a bit more as to why we're here, what we're doing, and uh, explain proceedings for this evening, really. Yeah, so um, this the, the idea for the space was was came from the fact that I'd had quite a few messages um, just asking, you know, random questions about getting into international teaching. Do I regret it? How do you go about it? How did I choose Saudi? And all of these things. And I just thought... I think it would be a really good idea to get a bunch of international teachers together and invite those that are thinking about it and really just sort of hash it out from a bunch of different perspectives and what do you need to know and, you know, any hints and tips and 
things like that really just giving people a bit more of an idea of of what it entails Oh, most definitely, because uh, it's around this sort of time of year and going into January that uh, certainly my school asks what my intentions are, whether we're moving on, but also a lot of a lot of jobs are going up on um, on TES and the and the like uh, as well. So if you are considering or on the market for a new job or indeed a job abroad it's kind of now now's the time really isn't it it's sort of when I see uh when I see various things going up and I do like to to have a nosy as well I do like to um have a look and see and see what's happening and what's out there and uh, I know I'm hoping there's a couple of our uh, various international colleagues are going to join us throughout this this show this evening who are based far and wide so um they are they'll be joining us soon i can yeah. see that a few people are already keen and eagerly uh listening to to what we to what we have to say so i suppose we should maybe start off with kind of condensed i'm going to try and condense them uh, <laughs> sort of condensed versions of our of our own stories yeah so um yeah that's a good idea so um i taught in wales for 7 years um and then in September 2022, last year, I moved to Saudi Arabia um, on a bit of a a bit of a random uh, whim, really. Um, and I'm the head of science there, and have been there now. Obviously, this is my second year. Um, so yeah, I'd only ever taught in the one school beforehand, um, and then made the made, made the leap over into international teaching and into into the Middle East. Uh, what's your What's your story? Where What Where have you been? So my um uh was that your first international job that you yeah 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 because um I uh sort of was I was about four years in in the in the UK and actually it was kind of during lockdown I just or I was just in the throes of finishing a uh, a maternity contract and I was I was underwhelmed with the prospect of of continuing in the UK and of course given I mean it's it was it was a difficult time then and as we know that throughout this year it's been a particularly difficult time with with teaching in the UK which is what I think will uh, uh, pique a lot of people's interest with this show this evening is that I think that there will be people who have just kind of had enough if you like um, and not just with the education system but with systems in general so I was uh, living at home as a 30 how old I was at the time 30 31 one years old and I just I, I wanted out. I wanted to go. My the time was up, and I was sort of looking at um, I was looking at kind of Spain and Portugal because I knew I wanted to be somewhere warmer. <laughs> I knew I wanted kind of the outdoor life, but I didn't really uh, at the time want to kind of fling myself onto the other side of the world. Some people do, some people don't, and so I started applying. Um, and I originally interviewed actually just as the world was was shutting shutting down, um, and sort of then kind of forgot about it and then I got a phone call uh no I got an email one step uh sort of in September time saying um do you fancy a chat and I thought well head teachers never just fancy a chat nor do they have mm. time for a chat and um I think it was about a 15 minute conversation and I was offered a job and I've been out there for three three new three and a half years now so it's been yeah been the been quite the adventure yeah, so I think that like that leads us on like to a really good point about international teaching. Like certainly, and in terms of like the actual process, it can be a lot more laid back, a lot less formal than yeah. in the UK. Like so, same with mine, really. Like so, I'd put a couple of feelers out with some recruiters, and I'd really said like, 
you know, I don't really care where I go. Similar to you, it was locked down. I was like, oh, I'm done with this. And and I'd been in leadership for five years at that point and I'd done head of year and head of science. And I was like, I'm, I'm really done with, with the UK. And, um, and then, yeah, I got, I, I was the same. I got an email. Do you want to have, a, you know, have you got time for a, for a zoom call or a video call? Um, within 20 minutes, that was it job done. And, and I was going to Saudi Arabia and, um, but yeah, it can be a lot less formal. There's a lot less hoops to jump through and, and you know you don't have this full day interview which I know we've talked about on Teacher Talk Radio before and you don't don't have any of that really it's very kind of you know your CV really speaks for itself and then that sort of as you say informal but definitely not informal conversation can pretty much be the end of it really. And it is quite bizarre to uh, take on a teaching job as you say having often uh i mean i certainly i couldn't at the time uh set foot in 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 the school never met any of the staff i mean it really is there is kind of that aspect i mean now i think with places opening up again you are able to within reason go and go and check some of these places out but often uh people take the leap with without doing that which is sort of saying that out loud now given yes some of the interview processes i went through in the ukraine i mean that's ludicrous really isn't it Yeah, I mean, like, I'd never been to the country, I'd never been to the area, I'd never been to, I didn't know anything about it, I didn't know the school, I'd seen pictures, but, you know, that, yeah, and you just sort of have to kind of take the leap. I do think that with, you know, with things like Twitter and the internet, you you can get a good feel for places with what people have said and and things like that, but you are really taking a bit of a jump with international mm. teaching that you're not doing in the UK, you know, because you can go and have a walk around and things like that and you can get a feel for it. And you can't really do that when you take an international job. You kind of just have to go with your gut, I guess. Yeah. And, um, you know, on that note, a lot of these places uh, kind of offer, in, in, in taking that leap, they kind of, they're taking it alongside you because often a lot of them will say, oh, it's kind of, you know, we want you to stay for a minimum of two years. Because uh, if we're going to kind of invest in sort of bringing you over, then, you know, we want you to kind of invest back yeah. sort of thing. Um, that didn't happen so much with me and in Europe. But I know uh, certainly um, in the sort of the UAE and places like that, they tend to because it's, I suppose, that bit further afield. Uh, I don't know if that happened with you. Yeah. Yeah. So with Saudi, they it was a minimum two year contract um, with financial penalties if you left early. Oh, wow. Yeah, because um, the financial penalty was simply that you had to repay back your visa fees and things like that. Because, again, like I'm sure we'll come on to this, but the packages vary wildly. Um, sure. And my package is, I have to say, incredibly comprehensive. Um, I don't pay for anything. Um, so the financial penalty, if you broke contract, was that, you know, you need to reimburse the school for the for for the visa and the um in Saudi Arabia, you have to have a certain level of health insurance and things like that. Um, and yeah, that's just because it costs them a lot of money to get you out there and all the paperwork, especially with a country like Saudi and things like that. So, yeah, you, you can be tied in. I mean, you can leave, you know, and um, I think that it's important to say that, like, a lot of these rules are, you know, they're on paper. But if something was to happen, you know, if there was a death in the family or anything like that, you know, they are very lenient with them. And, you know, if, if, if you need to go home, you need to go home. And they're very understanding of that. But, um, yeah, they do, they, they, they do like an agreement that, you know, 
we'll pay for everything, but you need to sign for a, a year or two. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think there will already be some people uh, in the space who are nodding along to, to what we're saying. I can see uh, uh, Freya is in, who's she's currently in Vietnam. She was uh, in Italy and I actually met her earlier in the year in, in Rome just as she was finishing up there. So good evening to you, Freya. I'm sure we'll hear from you if you're able to shortly. And I can see Zoe's here as well. Zoe, I believe, is in Monaco. I think I'm right in saying that. Your thumbs up will tell me um, differently in, in a moment if I'm wrong about that. But uh, uh, I can also see lots of others in who are listening as well. I can see Omar. I can see uh, Josh Darlow's in. I can see, uh, who else can I see? Um, Mr. Green is in. I can see our very own Nathan is in, who always raises a smile. I can see um, Chris Sweetman's in. And there are lots of others, and I think lots more will, will join us. But yes, I think that, uh, as you say, you know these these packages can can differ wildly, but also kind of going back even more of a, a step. I think that I mean when we sort of talk about our motivations for for moving in the first place, we kind of almost uh, yeah with lockdown and everything else, it was uh, I almost think that that was probably one of my my biggest kind of pushes, but also. Um, and I don't like to say this, but it was I was finding that. And again, I don't know if this was the case for you, that teaching in the UK was rapidly becoming sort of unsustainable for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm very open about it. I went to Saudi Arabia for the money. A hundred percent. Like I'm cool with that. I'm cool with saying that like Saudi Arabia is not somewhere you go for the nightlife. It's not somewhere <laughs> you go for, um, for, you know, for that side of things. And I think that you know, just from an advice perspective, if you are thinking of going into international teaching and you're not sure where you want to go in the world, getting your why really, yeah. really secure is really important because if your plan is, right, I'm going to go and smash out five years, I'm going to save as much as I can and then I'm going to bounce back into the UK, then that's going to give, you know, those countries that are going to enable you to do that are very different from the ones that are going to give you that, I want five years of major life experiences they're going to be very different places. So I think that, like you say, I mean, lockdown was a big driver for a lot of people, you know, just being sort of stuck and thinking, I'm really done with this. And I know that like the politics and everything was one of the big motivators for me. And I was just sick of, 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 of British sort of politics and the systems. And, um, but I do also think that, you know, I pick Saudi because of that package, because of that money and because of the life it could give me when I was ready to come back. Um, you know, whereas I know I've got friends who are in Dubai and their day to day is far more exciting than mine, but their saving prospects is slightly less than what I can save because it's a, it's a much more expensive place. So yeah. I think that, you know, getting your why in, uh, and knowing what it is you want out of your time abroad, um, I think it's an important one. I don't know how um, you find that in Portugal. Well, would you, f I mean, and do you, uh, in your mind, I mean, Saudi's not the place you're going to ultimately live and retire in. Do you feel like, have you got a very clear kind of end point in mind or is it sort of well, negotiable? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I didn't. I do now um, because I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm coming home to get married. So this is my last year. Oh, wow. um, but even in, you know, but my original plan was two years in Saudi, see how I get on. And then, but potentially to stay in Saudi for five years to save um, as much money as possible. Um, but, yeah, I had quite a sort of fixed plan. Um, going abroad for me was not, it was never like, oh, I'm going and I'm not coming back. 
it was always a fixed point where I was going to go away for a bit, get a breather and then come back. Um, I don't know about you. Are, you. are you away for the long haul or? See, I'm I'm the complete, um, almost sort of the antithesis to, to you in a way, because my move wasn't motivated by money. It was very much motivated by a kind of entire lifestyle change. And as it stands, I have no intention of coming back. Um, yeah. But I think also that, I mean, I'm in a very, I mean, I'm in one of the safest countries in Europe. And I imagine that the life I lead is com- completely polar opposite to, to the one you do. I mean, yeah. I kind of, you know, I'm going for a run in, you know, my little shorts and kind of having having a very, very nice time. And, sort yeah. of, you know, I have maybe the freedom as a lone woman in Portugal that is not the same for you in somewhere like Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I mean, Saudi's definitely not what I expected. I mean, I, I definitely thought that I was going to have a much tougher time than I actually do. Um, so the best way I can describe Saudi Arabia is you live in a holiday resort, basically. Um, so you live in a walled-in compound. Um, on that compound, there's a pool, there's a Starbucks, a shop, a laundrette, um, recreational centre, there's a gym, pool, indoor pool, sauna, that kind of thing. Um, and then my school is attached to the side of the compound. So I just walk through the compound and into school. Um, so you live a very sort of closed in, but a very, you know, everything you need is sort of there, um, but it's essentially within like a, and when you're within the walls, you're fine. You wear whatever you want, uh, your little shorts or whatever. Um, but yeah, when you go out, that's when it becomes slightly different. Um, and so, yeah, you, you are living a much more reserved life um, and a much more kind of, you tend to stay within the compound really it's not um it's not as free I don't think I don't think you'd feel quite as you wouldn't feel the freedom quite like you do I imagine in Portugal because it's not it isn't the same as as you know you come from a place in the UK where you know just get in the car and just nip to the shops and do this Mm. and that and you know you 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 don't do you don't do that in Saudi um you know you, you live a very sort of uh sheltered life um within within the compound walls yeah, I mean, it's 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 privilege in a different sense. And I talk about this actually with with my uh, friends a lot and uh, people who I teach with and, and other teachers. You know, we do have um, as women, we do have a particular you know, freedom in in Europe. We can you know, we, we're not worrying about about the same things and, and we can kind of go and do as we please. We can kind of and we're not really kind of thinking about um our safety or what we're wearing or anything like that i mean you yeah. know we've all had those questionable outfits but you know it's it's not you're not having to you're not having to give it any any major thought and even you know with the kind of being out at night and things like that i mean it's it's lisbon is a is a european city the nightlife's great you know uh it's it's uh i mean i live yeah a very kind of privileged existence in that in that sense in the freedom sense yeah so i mean so i mean in saudi i mean it's one of the safest countries in the world in regards to crime um as a lone woman you can as long as you're dressed properly you can go out any time of day or night and you will face no issue whatsoever um they won't even look at you they won't they won't talk to you or anything like that um it's ex- beyond safe it's far like you know i get into a taxi in saudi as a lone woman and i'm a lot safer than i am in the uk um, and you know you go for a walk in the night time no problem at all and um, and that's because <laughs> their their proportional punishment to their crime is very very high so mm. they don't um they don't you know 
say what you will about crime and punishment, but they don't really have crime because of it. Um, but it is a different world in the sense of, you know, you have to think very carefully about what you're wearing. You have to think very carefully about the way that you speak, um, what you say and who you say it to. A lot of people can't get their heads around the fact that freedom of speech doesn't exist yeah. uh, in Saudi Arabia and uh, freedom of uh, sort of expression doesn't exist. So that goes as far as social media and and things like that and being very careful what you say and, and you know, and what you sort of say publicly. Um, however, you know, I sound like, you know, uh, Saudi has got some big benefits. One, <laughs> flat bang in the middle of the world. So if you want to travel um you know, Saudi's 50-50 sort of in the middle between like Australia and the US. So you can get pretty much anywhere from Saudi in a relatively uh, short time. Um, and the money is, you know, tax free. So, um, yeah. you know, there's there's the salaries are very high because they know it's not a particularly desirable place. So they compensate you financially for that. And obviously that is then tax free as well. So <clears throat> if saving is the goal and money is the goal, then Saudi you know, is the place to be, really. And that's not the same for Dubai. The packages in Dubai now are, they've cottoned on to the fact that it is somewhere that the Brits want to go. So, yeah. you know, you're never going to make the same kind of money. You're not going to save the same kind of, you know, just to put it in perspective, I, I save 75% of my salary. Wow. Um, You know, I, I and that's that's a push. That And I spend quite a lot of money. Um, you know, I know I know friends of mine who probably save 95 percent of their salary because, mm. you know, all of our bills are included. We pay no living fees. We don't. The only thing you have to pay yourself while you're out there is your food and your phone. That's it. Um, wow. Yeah. So, you, you know, financially, if if you've got debts or if you've, you know, I've got a lot of friends in Saudi who had who had major sort of credit card debt and things like that went over there and they've cleared that within a year. And now, Amazing. yeah, and now they're saving for houses and things like that. So financially, it's um, it's a very strong contender if that's the goal. Yeah. Um, and whereas I would say that, you know, I'm doing things. I mean, don't get me wrong. In in Europe, generally, you know, things though we are taxed. Portugal does have a very high tax rate, as do a lot of the the, the European countries. Um, but you know, we have things like uh, you get 14 months pay in 12 months. So twice a year, you do get in inverted commas double pay. Um, I mean, again, it's probably not uh, clearing anything like what you are because yeah, because the tax level is high. But we get our tax returns and things like that. So you know, you can get quite a healthy tax return. But uh, also, I mean, I don't know if you do this, but I uh, I tutor on the side, and I probably shouldn't say this too loudly, but let's just say that that is pocket money. Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally the same for me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, especially with the sort of view on education in the Middle East, you know, they 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 are um, they view it very highly. So again, going back to what we were saying about teaching being unsustainable in the UK, in the Gulf, you are seen as up there with doctors in terms of yeah. how valuable you are. Um, and the parents are unbelievably grateful and just you know, kind and respectful and they make their children the same way. So, um, you know, they view you essentially as the gatekeeper for their child's future. So you do get a very kind of different experience and especially with your private tutoring and your pocket money, you can make a lot of money doing that because they're um they're willing to pay an awful lot 
for that kind of tutoring. And yeah, like I, I do the same thing. Um, it's yeah. I hope Mr. Taxman's not listening, but yeah, I do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely it's definitely lucrative. And how do you find like compared to the UK? One of the things that I can't I couldn't get over when I first went over there. I had like too much free time. Like, um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. certainly. Um, it, what are you, are you talking just generally, or in terms of the school day? Like in terms of the school day, like I finish work at quarter past two, and I've basically yeah. got. And because I don't have anywhere near the same kind of constraints as I had in the UK, like with marking and and all that kind of thing, I basically have another eight hours before I go to bed, where I'm like, I mean, oh, that's that's mad. I mean, mine's not quite as as good as that. I mean, we start at we start at nine and finish at four. But having said that, I get um, I think it's maybe eight hours. It might even be a bit more than that of planning time a week now if you think about the the UK I mean some teachers I mean I remember I mean mine was about two hours a week here mm. because a lot a lot of the um because I know you're secondary aren't you yeah um so it works slightly differently for you but a lot of the uh subjects at school for me are taught by specialist teachers so the <laughs> this is going to sound mad and I'm, I'm going to uh some people are going to gawp at this but as a primary teacher in the UK you are used to teaching the lot yeah. Uh, whether you whether you're good at it or not doesn't matter uh it's it's in your remit but um i teach english maths uh topics so that's kind of history geography um pshe science and that's pretty much it everything else is specialist taught yeah so in yeah, terms so, of so i will have at least one in inverted commas free period a day yeah so as a secondary teacher so in the uk you normally get 10 percent ppa so you get if you teach six lessons a day, five days a week, you get three hours of planning time. In Saudi, out of a possible 29, the most any of my classroom teachers, because I get a bit more, but the most any of my classroom teachers teach is 22. So they get, you know, they get seven hours a week. Um, so it, that's what at least one lesson a day, if not two lessons, yeah. uh, three a day. Me as a head of department, I only teach 18 so that's really good yeah so I have a lot more so you know I do I do not work outside of my working hours apart I don't either apart from if I'm making pretty resources for my A-level kids sometimes you know and that's and that's by choice that's just because I think I see something on the news and I think oh I could make something out of that and I so I'll sit for an hour because let's be honest I'm absolutely drop in free time um because at quarter past two i take the three minute walk back to my apartment and then i've got eight hours until i go to bed so i sometimes do a bit of work here and a bit of work there but that's entirely by choice um you know it's not and that was something that i found really hard when i first moved out there because i was used to i think i've spoken about this with um oh, um one of the executive head teachers of the british school of riyadh we had the conversation of um about i think in the uk we measure our value and our productivity on how busy we are yeah like there's a huge thing that comes from like oh if you know oh look how good i am i've been really busy today i've done this 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 you know like and actually in international teaching that's not the case if you if I went into my group of friends and said oh you know I spent 17 hours working over the last like weekend they'd be like weird why yeah you wouldn't get you don't get that kudos from it and if I said it to my boss my boss would be like 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 my my head of school he'd be like why 
Like it's not an expectation. And beyond that, it's also kind of frowned upon. Like, you know, you're free, you're, like you moved out here to rest and to, you know, and it's like, it's, we don't, me- we, in the international community, like, especially in, especially in the Gulf, we don't measure how good your day's been by how busy you've been. It's... No, and I think I think someone who would agree with you, who I can see is in the space, is, is Dan Rosen, who's a head uh, uh, in Dusseldorf, who I've also had the pleasure of meeting uh, this year when I did uh, research ed in in Dusseldorf. And I feel like, uh, and I'm sure he'll uh, thumbs up if he can, that his mentality is kind of very much sort of, you know, I'm not here to work you into the ground because what's what's the point? Yeah, yeah. My it's my boss is very much along the lines of, you know, if the work gets as long as the work gets done, meant brilliant. And as a head of department, I'm very like, I do, I'm leaving at quarter past two. I expect all of you to leave at quarter past two. If you want to hang out for a little bit afterwards, because you've got a bit of printing to do or whatever, no problem. But I have, there is zero expectation for you to work in your own time. And you're not paid for that. Don't, you know, and in, in no other profession, in no other world, would we work unpaid. And actually, on that note, that's very interesting because that never in the UK used to be part of my mentality. It just came with the job. But also, I was still quite early, early in my career. So I wasn't quite as sort of bullshit, maybe a little bit belligerent about it as I am now. Whereas now, I and those words have left my mouth where I've been like, I'm not being paid to do this. Therefore, you know. And I and I do when I exit the building, my email goes off because actually in Portugal, it's illegal now to contact people outside of working hours. So I don't even have my email on my phone anymore because what what am I going to do about it? And I'm not paid to do anything about it until 830 the next morning, which yeah. I know is quite, it's, it sounds like quite an almost sort of what thing to say and almost kind of, well, you know, that's not really kind of how how you should be operating. But, but actually, I, I, yes, it is. We, yeah, I think we think that because British teachers are conditioned to it's this thing that I absolutely hate of like, oh, it's a vocation. It's a calling. No, it's a job. And if you phoned the doctors out, you know, if you phoned the receptionist outside of working hours and you said to the receptionist, if you make me an appointment, she'd go, no, you have to phone up within working hours because I don't work within, you know, and not just working all the time. And I say it all the time because I've got a lot of ECTs in my, I've got three ECTs in my department. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I say it to them. I'm like, you. The minute that clock hits two fifteen, you're not being paid. So you have to decide: Am I happy to do this work unpaid, or am I leaving it till tomorrow when I'm being paid to do it? Mm-hmm. Because there's no expectation for you to work unpaid. That's crazy, you know. I mean, there are times of the year as secondary teachers where we expect to work a little bit more. Mock season, for example, exams. We expect to be pushed a little bit harder because we've got deadlines and we've got things to meet. But the average working day should start for us at 7.50, at 7 a.m., sorry, and finish at 2.15. That's it, you know? Mm. And I am I have become far more militant about it and about the fact that, especially if you live on a compound. So if you are considering the Gulf and you are considering somewhere that has a compound, you have got to get some serious boundary work in place because you live with your colleagues. And yeah you can end up sitting with a Starbucks working and you don't realize you're working until you just, until you realize, until you get back and you go, we've just organized the school calendar for the next six months. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's slightly different for me in that I, I don't live on a, on a compound, but I do live in very close proximity. Um, sort of Kashkais where I'm actually based is, 
is a, a beach town. It's, 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 it's a tourist town, it's a holiday town, but also everyone and, you know, lives lives within kind of 15, 20, or most of us live within kind of 15, 20 minutes of each other. And it's usually, the time I'm usually caught is sitting, kind of minding my own business in a, in a beach bar, usually with kind of a, a bowl, I say a bowl of gin, but like a large gin and tonic yeah. in hand. And suddenly you hear, miss, and you just think, oh, yeah. no, not now, please yeah. not now. Um, and that's quite interesting as well. But I just want to backtrack. There's so many things I want to um, want to kind of open yeah. up and also and and ask the audience as well. And I also want people to to um, I should also say and stress that we are we are definitely taking questions, Daisy, aren't we? We're yeah. kind of so at any point, please do interrupt us because we have both already established that we can talk for Wales <laughs> and England respectively. So you absolutely please do interrupt us. Please do ask questions. And also to international colleagues, you know, you're going to get picked on those of you that are uh, in here. So please do be prepared to accept <laughs> speaker requests from Mr. Tom Hopkins spoke when he flings those out in the moment but before we go on any further I do have to remind you that and, and Tom will love this that um this show is sponsored by John Cat Educational now Christmas has you know well is kind of in the throes of passing but we still do have a discount available I believe Tom yes thumbs up if there is still a discount which is jcttr2324 so if you didn't quite manage to get your books together for christmas for that teacher in your life or indeed for yourself how about buying them as a new year's resolution and finding something to read that is going to pique your educational interest and you can find all manner of books available on the john cat website i believe there is also a pinned tweet at the top of the space i think should be there yes i can see it it's up there as well so do go and check that out and see if you can find something for yourself to read going forward now i want to kind of back up a little bit because um something that i wanted to kind of ask you daisy about and also ask our colleagues and friends who are in the space as well uh, those of you who are international teachers or indeed considering it um, I found that the move itself and that the idea of moving was kind of quite easy from sort of initial thought to actual kind of fruition, as it were, because I was only thinking about myself. I'm, I realise I'm not I'm not kind of this uh, sort of I'm selfish, I'm belligerent, all of these things that I'm revealing in this, in this space this evening. But this is the truth. I had to only think of of me and moving me um and was it the same for you because I don't know what your situation is with your partner yeah no it was yeah it was just me um I had it was a bit more complicated I had a house and a house worth of stuff yeah. and all of that but no it, it, it was just me moving yeah yeah, because I um I I lived at home at the time, so I literally had to flog my car, and I packed kind of two kit bags, and that that was it. And actually, moving the kit, which wasn't actually that much stuff, cost me more than my actual flight ticket um to to Portugal. But uh, yeah, a lot of my I mean I'm currently uh, squatting at home for the Christmas period, and uh, every time I come home, I realise that you know my extensive cookbook collection has been living rent free uh, in my parents' house, along with a whole host of other nonsense that I have yet so, to get rid of. In terms of your school, then did they not move you? Nope. Right. So this is so, this is another uh, this is another interesting thing with with Europe in general. No. I had a housing allowance, but in terms of finding somewhere, that was that was down to me. Okay, so the difference then with the Gulf is, and this is the whole Gulf from the top in terms of Jordan, all the way down Saudi, Bahrain, Qatar, the Emirates, Oman. 
they will move you. Part of your um, part of the package will be that they will fly you out with your stuff. Um, now, there's a cap on it usually. Um, my school, the cap is 80 kilo. Whether that's on the plane or whether you get that shipped over is up to you. Um, but they will move you and your stuff. And then at the end of your contract, they will repatriate you as well. Um, wow. Yeah. So repatriation from the Gulf is the norm. That's what you can expect from any of the Gulf countries. Um, and if it's not in the package, you make sure it is because it's bloody expensive to try and move stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Really expensive. So it's not like Europe, you know, you are talking long haul um moving so that's that can be quite difficult but i was the same i basically you know it was actually a really cathartic process i sold and got rid of 10 years because i hadn't lived at home since i was 18 so 10 years of accumulated tat i got rid of i emptied my house of everything I packed my life into two suitcases and I think this is more than the international experience. I think that was the best thing I ever did. And I put a few of my things in the loft of my house and then I rented my house out and I left. And oh. yeah, I left with two suitcases, rented my house out and just told the rentees that, listen, I've got a few boxes in the loft. You can use it, but please don't move my stuff. Um, and that was it. And I and I left with two suitcases. Um, and I, yeah, it was one of them. I mean, I'm kicking myself now because I'm moving back and I've got rid of all my stuff. <laughs> but um, but it was so cathartic, like just getting rid of everything and just starting again. Yeah. It was well, it was it's, good. It's, yeah, it's a good thing. I mean, I think eventually my my dad is going to just black plastic bag the the lot and, unless I get rid of it. But uh, I'm clinging on for now. I can see. Oh, Dan Dan Rosen was about to have a chat with us. I don't know what we said to. Hopefully, we can get him back. So something obviously piqued his interest. But yeah, I think because um, I know that we had a, a question on on Twitter from I think it was from Sam who was asking about you know if you've got a lot of stuff you're attached to and kind of unable yeah. to to move it. I mean. I am fortunate in that I do have forgiving parents, probably too forgiving. So they, for now, my rubbish and nonsense is definitely taking up more room than, than it should. It, it won't forever. But uh, you, I mean, your advice seems to be have a cathartic moment and just flog the lot. Yeah, I definitely think, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that, that it is an opportunity to get rid of a lot of stuff. Um, especially if you're like me, I, I mean, I just hoard things. Um, and I, so I, I, that was very cathartic, but there's also a lot of really great storage places now, um, where you can just rent a very big locker essentially. Um, and you can lock your stuff up in there and it's, and it's tidy and clean and it's not going to get damaged. And, and then you, you know, you can get it back should you ever want to. And I've got friends that have done that, that have got large storage lockers in the UK. And depending on where you're going financially, it shouldn't be a problem. You know, if you go into the Gulf, then financially that shouldn't be an issue um, to pay for storage. Um, but yeah, it, it again, it's it's such a difference between Europe and and sort of further afield because further afield you could take a lot of your stuff with you if you wanted to. You know, eighty kilos, a hundred kilos worth of stuff you could take with you if you wanted to 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you you, cer- you certainly could. And, you know, with considering that I'm probably going to, I mean, I have no intention of, of coming back anytime soon. I think I'll gradually start to kind of move more of my stuff out. But I'm also that person that every time I, I come home, I don't check a bag. I literally, you know, kind of pretty much, I mean, not quite just coming back in the stuff that I'm wearing, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hand luggage only. Yeah. Yeah. I am um, now that I'm because I'm back in my house now. My my uh, my partner lives here and and obviously we're getting ready to sort of move back in together. Um, but yeah, I, I can come back with just hand luggage now. Um, but previously I was staying in hotels or at friends houses and that that's difficult. I think that. Yeah, I definitely think that it's more of a nomadic life, isn't it? I think that it, yeah. can, it can feel very different in the sense of. Like Saudi would never feel like home, mm. but then for a time I didn't have a home here either. So yeah, it's, it, it it's can weird. Feel, yeah, it can feel like you're a bit of a sort of wanderer. Yeah, and uh, I know um, I'm hoping that uh, Freya. I don't know if you are able to to come and to come and have a chat, but uh, because uh, she yeah she went from Rome to uh, to. I don't know. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Bet UK is empowering the everyday wins. Cheeky grins. <laughs> big conversations. Budding aspirations. Our goal? To make edtech accessible and teaching exceptional. Join the global education community on the 24th to the 26th of January 2024 as we make education better together. Visit www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. Where she is in Vietnam, I think it's Hanoi. She'll give me a thumbs up in a minute, hopefully, if she's if she's there. Um, but uh, I don't quite know how she managed the move from from there to there, or whether she kind of did UK in between or or not. I can't quite. She did tell me, but I can't quite remember because it can be particularly if you're going from international job to international job. That's quite a a headache as well. Yeah, yeah, it can be, and and I think that um just also circling back, 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 because <laughs> um, we are um <laughs> jumping around a little, but um one of the things that I think can be really difficult um, is the paperwork when you're moving yeah. um, and that can, that can feel quite overwhelming. And how did it work for you in Portugal in the sense of, did they do all your paperwork for you? Like your so the, the kind of life admin stuff. Well, I'm fortunate in that, and this is another thing that we may or may not come back to with the whole Brexit thing and working oh. in Europe. I'm fortunate in that I have two passports. I have my German and I have my British. Okay. So I so setting up in terms of kind of residency was quite easy for me under the EU passport. But in terms of kind of life admin, bank accounts, oh. health insurance, all of that, I had someone come with me and help set all that up through, through school because of yeah. the, the language barrier. There was no way... I, that I could yeah. have done that myself. Yeah. 
so in the in the gulf obviously um saudi residency is very very difficult to get and they do not give out uh residency very easily um but i my like my school was amazing like my school did all of it um and i just had to sort of rock up um to a hospital on harley street in london and go and get a medical and then i had to rock up at the saudi embassy and take copies of my passport and my attested degrees and things like that and then they did all of it they had a they had a a broker basically who just managed between you know was the go between between me and the saudi embassy and then like like you when i got there um you know we went as a group and the school organized a little minibus and and we went as a group of new starters and got bank accounts and um in saudi you have to have an akama which is your residency pass and all of this and we just did all of that as a group in the school facilitated all of it um oh, so wow. it can feel overwhelming but it, it isn't in reality like yeah just, schools just, are usually pretty good usually yeah. I mean, i've never heard of schools kind of leaving you in the lurch um just uh we've managed to call a freya who is there and eager to talk to us uh freya how are you doing it's been a while hey can you hear me Loud oh. and clear, coming in from Hanoi, or are you somewhere No, else I'm currently Hanoi? in Siem Reap in Cambodia on holiday, so... <laughs> of course of you course. are. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the perks of international teaching, right? Travel. Absolutely. What What is it that you, what kind of piqued your interest? Because I know that I've been kind of poking at you to to speak, because I think your, your story is sort of, well, I think you are very interesting, and having met you and talked to you as well, uh, you, you've done a lot in the international uh, arena. Yeah, I think it's really interesting what both of you were saying about motivation. I think if you are looking to move abroad, it's about why are you looking to move abroad? And some people will do it for the money. Some people will do it for the travel. Some people will do it for the opportunities. Some people will do it to escape the UK system, which has become really, really difficult for so many people. So for me, initially with Italy, it was because I love Italy and I, I still love Italy completely and, and miss it. Um Vietnam was slightly different in that I was choosing uh, an opportunity, really, um, both in terms of professional and personal. So professional, you know, we were looking at a startup school, brand new school, which is a really interesting proposition. But also personally, you know, I've never been to Asia before. So it gave me the opportunity to come to Asia and find out more about Asia. So I think that motivation thing is super important, as you were saying. Uh, yeah, and um, you've, I mean, I've sort of closely followed on Twitter, you've been doing all sorts, because again, where you are, I suppose, in Vietnam, you can, you know, certainly those uh, Southeast Asian countries, you can do relatively easily if my geography has not failed me completely. Definitely. I mean, Hanoi is such a great place because you can fly to Malaysia, to Thailand, to Cambodia, to Japan, to Hong Kong, to Singapore. So the opportunities for travel, if that's the motivation, are huge. Um, I think it's really interesting listening to what you guys say about the differences between Europe and Saudi. And I think that's, it's such an interesting area. You know, Europe, you go to Europe, I think, probably more for the experience. You definitely don't go for the money so much. <laughs> um, but it's such a beautiful place to live. Obviously, it's harder now post Brexit. And I think that's something that people have to be mindful of. And I think I'll probably end up eventually back in Europe. But um, Asia's great as well for, for you know, the money and, and the experience as well. 
And just in terms of just kind of a couple of things that we've touched on, just in terms of you getting set up in Hanoi, because again, it's I mean, I have been but years ago, but it's quite difficult to to navigate. There's, there's a lot happening. How did schools support you with your initial setup? Yeah, they were awesome. I mean, we have such a great HR team. So they were supportive, you know, from the get go. We, we had a WhatsApp sort of set up and they sort of guide you through the entire process in terms of what's needed. And, you know, they'll give you a list of things that you have to support and you supply them and then they'll sort out their end in terms of you know dealing with the Vietnamese kind of um, systems and structures and so forth Um, we do get a housing allowance here and I think it's really interesting again what you both were saying about packages and looking at what the packages offer very very carefully Um, so that was really helpful we do get an annual flight allowance we do get medical Um, so there's a lot of perks there as well yeah, and it's um, I mean, for I'm always very intrigued to see to see what you're going to what you're going to do to do next. Um, I mean, I think I mean you've only just you already just started there, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, like I say, it's super exciting because it's a brand new school, so I'm I'm going to be here for a few years. Um, I do think I'll probably end up back in Europe at some point. I do love Europe. I think it's a beautiful place to be, but it is harder to to get into now um but yeah definitely here for a few years exploring asia and and you know helping my school establish itself fantastic and uh you know we uh we we miss you in europe <laughs> but uh of course i know that you're absolutely living i don't have to say but living your best life i mean it's 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 great and uh you know i i hope it it continues for you and please continue hanging out in our in our space this evening we love having oh, loving you. listening to you both thank you so much Oh, thank you, Freya. We've also got uh, Alexandra, who's uh, who's here and been very patiently waiting. Um, I'm Hi hoping... there. Hello. How are you? Hi there. Very good, thank you. Nice to uh, nice to listen to you. Nice to nice nice to have you. Um, I think Daisy's still with us. Daisy, have you are you still? I am. Here? Sorry, I am. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm just listening. Sorry. <laughs> um, I suppose, I mean, what what piqued your interest, Alexandra? What did you want to to add this evening? Well, I heard your stories, uh, you know, moving from the UK in the last uh, what, three, four years, and um, I've been out. I've been out of the UK since 2011, so it's been it's been a while. Um, and perhaps, you know, I left the UK with my partner. We're both teacher, teachers, my wife, and um, we kind of experienced the whole teaching abroad um, together to begin with, and then we we had a family abroad. We were first in um, in Jordan. For, for four years and um, that was a fantastic experience loved it and then um, we had a family we we had a, our daughter our first daughter in, in Jordan and then um, moved to moved to Prague which uh, and we've been in Prague for the last uh, nearly nine years now so in a way I wanted to kind of just give the, the family perspective um, people yeah. moving away how, how do you how do you find that you know with with moving the kids and 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 how and how have you found that they integrate with the international sort of community and, and moving countries so my my eldest she's now she's now 10 and of course she's um this doesn't happen everywhere um outside of europe it happens i think in every single school in europe you need to you need to check if your children get uh, places at the school um how much you have to pay or if it's free free places um, and both my daughters go now 
they go to to our school. So we, my wife and I, we both work in the same school, and both girls go in different kind of key stages. Um, and well, the eldest, you know, she's she's settled in. She doesn't know anything different. She's always been in international school, international setting, got friends from you know all over the world. Mm. She she does speak with a slight American accent. That's <laughs> the only thing. Um, but um, yeah, she's she's loving it. It's a it's a great education abroad. You know, private school. And, yeah, because um, I know yeah. I've I've got friends that I work with in Saudi, and they've they've brought their kids out with them, and. And, mm-hmm. and they're very sort of complimentary of the whole experience in terms of they think that their that their children are getting a much, not just a different education, but a wider sort of cultural experience within the international world. And certainly with accessing, um, like you say, having friends from all over the world and being exposed to these like different cultures and different and different sort of people. Do you find that, do you think, do you, is that something you hold valuable to you? Like it's beneficial now that your daughter's got this experience with with all these different people yeah it's 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 really beneficial i think she 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 loves having all these friends she loves hearing and speaking quite a lot of languages um i'm i'm originally romanian i'm british as well so she speaks uh multiple languages um being abroad as well she has to learn the, the local language and uh yeah just just mixing and mingling and friendships with people from all over the world um she really i mean obviously you can still get that in the UK to some extent but you are yeah. much more expo- exposed in an international school and depends where you go um, yeah. how you know, did you how did you find on. how did you find Jordan because I've got friends that teach there and they just mm-hmm. say amazing uh, yeah we like I said the first two years there were without children so we had a fantastic time yeah. the first two years um, absolutely amazing country beautiful our school was great uh, facilities again I heard you talk about the setup the school was incredibly helpful helped yeah. us with everything and you know we we just rocked up at 11 p.m at the airport in Amman and the school arranged a taxi and we actually had no idea where they were taking us to live <laughs> and it turned out to be a fantastic flat and we lived there for, for a year until we found something even better um, so those first two years were were brilliant, and then we had we had our daughter, and again the the medical care was incredible. Uh, we had yeah such an such a such a good experience with um, the medical system in Jordan. It was private, um, yeah. obviously with school paying and all that sort of stuff. But um, Jordan was 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 fabulous. Uh, it was at that time it started to get a bit tense with yeah the Syrian conflict and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it did feel tense at times, but we never felt unsafe. Mm. Um, it is, again, maybe not as safe as Saudi, but it's, again, a very, very safe country, Jordan. And yeah. uh, just beautiful. And the people really friendly. Uh, we, had a, we had a great time there. Yeah, I mean, I, I echo the same. I think that, I think Jordan and Saudi are... They are different, but also like Arabic hospitality is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. They're just the friendliest people, the most welcoming people. Um, yeah. And I think it's really, um, I think from a Western perspective, we don't always get the full story about what these countries are like and, and, exactly. and you know, what it's like to live there. Um, if I can just ask you, um, what were some of the big differences that you've experienced having been in both the Gulf and a European school? in terms of like the packages or in terms of like the moving, like what are some of those big differences between being in Prague and being in, in Jordan? Well, Prague is obviously 
Central European and most people want to come and live in Prague. Um, yes. The reason we moved to Prague was um, we kind of did the Paul Jordan thing. We wanted to be closer to family. And uh, yeah, just Prague, Prague turned up. In terms of the school and the experience, of course, uh, one of the big differences is you don't get your accommodation paid for. Mm. <laughs> um, and it depends on the school, but most countries in Europe uh, and most schools do not, do not provide that. So the package is different. The package is different. Um, so in terms of the school, um, school places, you need to check that if, if it's, um, if it's uh, applicable or not. The, the lifestyle is different. Uh, you don't tend to, well, at least we didn't tend to spend as much time with our colleagues in yeah. Prague than we, we did in Jordan. In Jordan, it was much more of a, a group, a clique, so to speak. We yeah. used to hang out together and, um, you know, go, go on holidays and go on trips and hang out in the, in the city and stuff. In Prague, you tend to find a lot of friends outside of school. Yeah. So it's much more, it's a different, it's a different setup. It's a different um, way of life. You live in the city. You're much more, in a way, integrated in the city than you are in the Middle East. Mm. Although... We, we did have Jordanian friends, you know, we, we used to go to the houses and hang out and all that, but it's much, um, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's different in Prague. It's a, it's, it's slightly different. You're slightly more integrated in, you know, you're one of the rest. You're not, you're not necessarily a foreigner as much, you're, you're, you know, in a European country, Central Europe, everyone comes and goes. It's, it's a different feeling. Okay, that's that's so interesting because I think that I think that like for us, like I've only ever experienced Saudi and and Lucy's obviously only experienced Europe, so it's so interesting to get a perspective from somebody who's experienced both, and mm. um, sort of Gulf and Europe. Um, Lucy, yeah. have have I missed anything? <laughs> no, and actually, I'm so glad you asked the you you took uh, the, the, that was exactly the the question I wanted to ask, which was the the co the comparison of the two and. Um, much of my sort of European experience echoes echoes your European experience, uh, Alexandru, which is uh, you know the the we we're not getting quite the 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 package uh, deal in terms of mm -hmm. finance, in terms of uh, housing, etc. But in terms of kind of, no, I think it'd be disingenuous to say uh, in terms of experiencing life in these places because from hearing from from you, Daisy, as well, it's you know you 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 do in your in your own way, but I suppose it's yeah you're much more kind of less in less enclosed sort of day to day in in Europe in that you can just blend in it is quite easy mm -hmm. to join a running club or um you know go go out on dates um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh you know read into that what you will um and things like that um that's a really bad example but yeah join, joining sports clubs you know just kind of being part of, of day to day but stuff, i think you know, that, i think that is probably something that's worth mentioning because in the Gulf, dating is very difficult and you have to be very careful. Um, For sure. And I think that if you're a single person moving to the Gulf, so my 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 future husband won't mind me saying, um, I was absolutely not, because we, we weren't together when I moved out to Saudi and I was not dating. And so it wasn't even a consideration of mine. But I've got friends out there now who their reason for leaving Saudi is going to be that they, that they want to meet somebody because it's, 
it's very, very difficult to do that in the Gulf. Um, either they're a teacher at your school or they're a teacher at one of the neighbouring schools, but actually the chances of you dating a local just because of cultural and religious belief is going to be slim to none. So, and also because <laughs> of modesty laws, um, you are really not actually supposed to date. Um, so it, it can be quite difficult. So if you are single, it's definitely something to factor in when going to the Gulf um, because it, it can be quite difficult. Um, I know that Dubai and the Emirates is, a, is you know, a lot more and Qatar is a lot more free um, than Saudi, but it is still definitely something to consider. Um, I can see that Emily's requested. Um, oh, yeah, she's there. I think... uh, let's pop her in. There yeah. we go. I'm sure. So. I don't know if it was the dating talk that piqued her. Piqued yeah. her interest. Alexandria, thank you. And please do, um, please do pop pop in again if you want to uh, add anything or say anything else. We didn't mean to cut you off. There. No, no, thank you. Hi guys, uh, Emily. Hi. Hi. Uh, how are you? I'm just really like you know interested in this discussion. I came in late, so sorry. Um, as you know, I've I've taught abroad, and I know a lot of because I think teacher talk put um, out a um, question and everybody had lots of positive experiences, whereas mine's quite 50-50, so I'm in Dubai. But I just thought, I know you've touched on in terms of, you know, personal development, but in terms of professional development, I find that if I stay there too long, I might be de-skilled. So I've got this fear of being a bit de-skilled in my current like context. I don't know if anybody's been through something like that or how to overcome that or um what yeah, have your so I experiences that, been i think i think that's sorry to cut you off that i didn't mean to um that's a really really important point um because i know that there are a lot of people who are concerned that that when they then if they do want to try and come back to the uk they're not going to be on an even um sort of playing field um is that something that you've heard of experienced or is it just a general worry you've got it's something that I'm kind of currently experiencing in my current context because I'm in teaching internationally for now um and I just find the CPD isn't as good it's quite behind it's like Ofsted 2010 lots of admin so it's like <laughs> you know not, I know everyone's got their views on Ofsted but I think um it's not well the current context of Ofsted isn't as bad as 20, 2010 um, context and just they're still using like research that's kind of being debunked. So it's quite frustrating when like my teaching learning yeah, philosophies yeah. aren't necessarily aligned to what they're kind of doing. So I've kind of found that like I love living out there a lot, but I just find that professional development is, yeah, it's just not like appeasing it's like, it's a hard me or yeah um emily please know i wasn't laughing at you it's just your your um your sort of example there the the uh the ofsted uh reference um and the kind of the the, the being behind um i'm sort of i'm laughing at that because i i resonate with that too um and certainly you know we i mean i um i don't know if daisy is the is the same i mean my my cpd i've kind of i've gone and found it myself and i'm fortunate as are you in the sense that we have teachers talk radio and things like that that do give us access to um cpd but of course not everybody knows about that and it's not kind of you know we're trying to put it out there as much as we can um shameless plug there for for, for ttr <laughs> 
But um, yeah, I have definitely experienced that. In fact, the only kind of, bizarrely of all things, the only kind of serious CPD I've had has been Lego uh, robotics training. Um, but aside from that, a lot of it has been online or I've had to um, uh, actually physically go and take myself to places on my dime. So where, where I met Freya was um, was at a, at a conference that her school was hosting, um, where I met Dan, same thing. Um, so, yeah, I have had to do a bit of it out of my, um, uh, you know, I've had to kind of do it off, off my own back, which is frustrating. But uh, I don't know how we kind of go about that. But I found them. Um, and again, this might be a disparity between um, European international schools and um, international schools in the Gulf or in indeed the UAE. Um, our facilities are not that great. And I shouldn't say this too loudly, but, you know, it's certainly... Uh, you know, given that these are private schools, they're not sort of all singing or dancing. But I don't, I, I suspect that's not the case for you, Daisy. Oh, no, uh, that's, yeah, no. that's the case for me. <laughs> Is that yeah, the case no, for you, my, Daisy? I, I, no, I have to say my school is all singing or dancing. Um, my school is, uh, in terms of resources and in terms of the actual school itself, is very... Um, very modern and very and very well equipped and um, what I will say um, is that as a science teacher it can be very difficult and um, I have to be very creative as there are quite a lot of the sort of things that we would normally find in a chemical store that you can't get um, in Saudi so we have to be quite creative in that front and um, CPD wise my school is very forward thinking in in the sense that we um, we are a BSME school, so we're a British school of the Middle East, and we have Penta inspections every two years, which are very similar to an Ofsted. Um, and so we are, you know, my CPD, I, I run CPD within school. I do CPD on evidence-informed practice. And all of the HODs are expected to um, have an area of expertise, and there is a CPD budget for us to access. Saying that, I know that a lot of my friends who teach internationally have the same concern um, as Emily and that they don't have access to that. And that especially if they are early career teachers um, or, you know, only a couple of years in, that can be quite overwhelming in the sense of, you know, just not really having the same kind of access to to the support and the training that they would have in the UK. And I definitely think that it is such an important point because it can be really difficult and it can be very expensive. Like I went to a conference last year and again, I had to pay for that myself. And my school has a CPD budget, but it's only for in-house. So I, to go anywhere external, I had to pay for that. So it is a it is difficult. Mm, most definitely. Well, speaking of CPD and CPD opportunities, uh, our current sponsor is John Cat Educational. So if you are looking for to enhance your CPD and Emily, this might be a, uh, an opportunity for you to, to, to get some books in and have a look at uh, some things you might want to read in the new year uh, by using our discount, which is JCTTR2324. I've certainly got my eye on a few things that I'm having a look at, and I believe um, that that discount code does work internationally. I'm just looking for a um, a nod from from the powers that be. I think it does. Uh, so um, wherever you are, you should be able to to utilize that. Um, was that a thumbs up from HB? I think it was. So that's good. So yes, so do go and have a look on John Cat's website. There are thousands upon thousands of different titles from all areas of education. And that discount code again is JCTTR23. Two four. 
so yes, we covered a lot already so far, Daisy. I feel like we're we're on a we're on a roll. Yeah. Um, I should also remind people that you can interrupt us at any point. We've had a, a few speakers on already. I know Freya popped in for a chat. Alexandru and Emily have all popped in to, to have a thought. I can see Zoe uh, is here and uh, Zoe has been a guest on one of my um previous shows certainly to do with uh, teachers losing their voices and she gave me some wonderful voice exercises that I need to get back in the habit of doing um, I can see Mr Green is here as well so Mr Green if you want to pop in and share any of your wisdom um, I'm not quite sure where you're based but I can see what looks like the pyramids in the background of your photo so I don't know if it's just a, a, a snap from travels uh, or whether that is indeed where you are based I know I've had colleagues who have um, lived in Egypt previously and uh, they absolutely loved that and then they did I think they then went to Slovakia and now I believe they are well no now I know that they are with us oh Zoe I've poked her enough that she wants to talk to us Daisy so that's great <laughs> evening to you Zoe how are you doing she needs to unmute herself I think Zoe I'm hoping she'll uh no okay um no. so I was gonna so I was gonna say um I'm sure she'll pop up in a second. It's okay. Um, yeah. So I was going to say, um, if we're thinking about potentially new international teachers and people who see the headline of this and click on and have a listen and think, mm, I might want to do that. What would be your top like pieces of advice for people who are thinking about it? What do would you your research. Yeah. And I know that's kind of a very broad and almost actually unhelpful thing to say. But uh, I mean, I could unpack that for hours. But in broad strokes, yeah, I mean, do your research from top to bottom. Yeah, I think that um, I think that I, I would obviously I would 100% echo that. I think that definitely having your why. Um, oh, Emily. Yes, let's. What, oh, no, what, what would your advice be? Exact same thing, Daisy. I was just going to say, just know like what you're out there for. So, if it's to save, then pick a country that will enable you to do that. So, Saudi and Qatar are much more better than somewhere like Dubai, for example, to save. Um, if it's you need a bit of a break, then maybe Dubai. Um, if it's yeah. you know you want professional development, then I would consider maybe just staying in the UK. Mm -hmm. Depend or looking somewhere that you know does that so it's as you were about to say daisy remembering your why like have that in mind and then go from there yeah so i mean i definitely think that like like lucy says about doing your research you know it's so important to because i think that you know if, if i said to a to a random teacher oh do you want to teach in saudi arabia they'd be like no and then if I started to unpack it and be like, okay, well, this is what they're going to offer you. And this is what you can actually do here. And, and this is what, you know, you are a 25 minute internal flight to Dubai. And, you know, we all got offered very cheap tickets to the Qatar World Cup. And we, you know, and Bahrain is a 30 minute drive away where if you're inclined, like Lucy, to have a bowl of gin, you can do so in Bahrain. <laughs> and we also have tropical beaches and it is hot all year round. And if you are somebody who is very much into um, scuba diving, then the whale sharks breed at the beach, which is 15 minutes away and you can go diving. And, you know, if, if I started to really sort of 
unpack Saudi Arabia. I really, I you know, I I I would advertise it for anybody. I would say, it, it please don't write it off because of what you think you know, and on the same breath, please don't agree to go to a school because of what you think you know about the country. Because visiting and living there which I'm sure Lucy will attest to in regards to Portugal, visiting on holiday and living there are two, and working there are two very different things. So again, I've just said, oh, the weather's great all year round. Mm, It is. um, But you do need to consider the fact that you are going to have to teach when it's 48 degrees. Uh, And yeah, and it's 48 degrees morning, noon and night. It doesn't cool down in the nighttime. It is hot all the time. Um, and so if, you know, I mean, I am Welsh and I do not cope well. <laughs> in, in, don't ask how I ended up in Saudi Arabia. I actually can't stand the the, the heat. Um, and I do spend from March to June inside. Um, wow. I stay inside in the aircon. I run to Starbucks, get a nice coffee and I run back um, because it is exceptionally hot. But so doing your research goes both ways. You know, mm-hmm. Australia, Australia has got has got an incredible advertising campaign for, for 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 that. But again, just just know where you're going and and definitely make sure that you've researched the school and the country before you just sort of rock up and think, you know, um, you know, I've heard many um, I won't say horror stories, but things that have gone wrong for people in Dubai, for example, financially, um, you know, just in the same way as if you moved into London, you're probably going to have financial concerns. It, you know, it's not all sunshines and rainbows. We have to make sure that we know where we're going and that we, and that you're going for the right reason for the country that you're going to. For sure. Your fellow Welshman, Mikey was, was laughing along with you then. We got- can't agree more. Um, it's, you know, those, the international, um, you've just said the website and I can't remember what it's called. Um, the International School Review website, it's 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 brilliant, but I would recommend people take it with a yeah. pinch of salt because people are very quick to complain. Um, so definitely, um, but the LinkedIn one, that's a great piece of advice. Get on LinkedIn, yeah. find teachers who work there. And there's also a brilliant Facebook page um, for expats. Um and it's you can go on there and you can ask questions about you know and actually this year there was a girl um who who started at my school who we were chatting two months before she started and we only started chatting because she asked on this Facebook page about any sort of advice about Saudi Arabia and it turns out she was coming to my school so she was able to connect with me um before she sort of got there and stuff and I think that yeah using social media using LinkedIn and Twitter and just really trying to reach out to people who are even even in the same country or the same school just to get a bit of an idea most people you know most terrible schools have a reputation so even people who don't go there will be able to sort of say oh I've heard this or I've heard that so yeah that's really good that's really good advice and and so you create events for you for do you for people who are moving out yeah I create events for people who are moving out there um I just want some small events in London recently uh, last year um let's Oh, I think oh. we lost. Oh, it keeps meeting. I don't know why. <laughs> but basically, um, so I did events. Um... No. Oh, oh, don't know. Don't know what happened there. Uh, anyway, whilst whilst we're uh, 
just uh, on it. So Zoe, I know you've been very patient because we uh, we we lost you at one point. So, uh, um, but you've been very patiently waiting in the background as well. Are you able to to chat Thanks. now too? Yes, I think it's working. <laughs> yeah, it's working. I can hear you. Yeah, it just it just kept dropping out, and I just I might have said a few curse words to my phone. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's Nine really interesting. <laughs> Thank God for that. Um, really interesting, actually, is what she was just saying. It made me think we have, at my school, I've been at the school now for 12 years. Sorry, it's my son in the background annoying the cats. Um, we've had a massive star turnover in that time. And a lot of it's to do with the expectations of what it is to teach in Monaco. You're not living in Monaco. Our salaries aren't high enough to, uh, <laughs> to be able to afford the 27000 a month rent. Um, and some people have come down sort of a bit disappointed to not have that lifestyle. And exactly as, as you were saying as well before about dating, there's not much of a dating scene unless you end up with an expat. And yeah. so people have come and gone and we've lost some really fantastic teachers who've been so lucky. A lot of them have actually come back to the UK um, or moved to Europe or moved actually to the Middle East and gone on to have incredible careers um but it's interesting so I'm I sort of now permanently see myself as being here yeah. I'm not from the UK originally I'm from Guernsey and I did spend 10 years in the UK so I feel like I did my time <laughs> uh, mainly <laughs> mainly with university but five years of that teaching um and since I've left although listening to how you were talking about your work in Guernsey and I'm thinking oh god I feel really guilty for doing all that work this morning during my holidays. <laughs> um, I find that my work-life balance is worse here. Yeah. It's, it's partly my choice, I think, but also the job role that I have now. Um, I oversee the performing arts. I create all of our events, and we recently held a wonderful Christmas concert at the Fairmont Hotel, which, you know, I've got sought out right it's going to cost 13,000 euros for the night what can I do to make sure we cover the costs and and all of that and I do all of that on top of my teaching and so I find that that's more time consuming than the teaching itself um but I actually love that side so you know even I'm thinking right if I leave my job here can I go into events management is there enough going on in Monaco yes there is <laughs> so it's yeah, it's it's been. I came down for the motivation of it was the job. Yeah, it was a very big pay cut coming down. Um, to be completely honest, okay, about twenty thousand euros. Wow, a year difference. But at the time, living costs were a lot cheaper. Food was a lot cheaper. You can pop over to Italy in fifteen minutes and do your shopping in Ventimiglia for a quarter of the price of what it is here in uh, the south of France. Mm. And it was allowed me to teach both music and drama in both primary and secondary, which I could never do in the UK. So your so your whole motivation for, for, for being there is is it's a job that wouldn't really exist in the UK. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the, the sunshine and being by the sea does help. Yeah. <laughs> as, an, as an islander, I was stuck in Cambridge for 10 years and that eventually drove me insane. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it I, is I, interesting as yeah sorry um daisy go ahead sorry oh sorry yeah and um, i would i would echo that i mean i have um i have seen that 
Um, I mean, even I have opportunities that I wouldn't have in the UK. Like, so I have an, I only teach year 11 and A level. Um, and that just doesn't happen in the UK. You always end up with um, some year seven or year eight group, which I make no, I make no bones about saying I do not like. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> I can't bear it. Um, and so, you know, I, I get much more flexibility. But I also, the absolute highlight of my week, because we're a through school teaching from pre-reception through to A-level, the highlight of my week is I get to go and do book corner with reception. And Aww. yeah, oh God, it's so great. And I get to go downstairs and I get to sit with a bunch of four and five-year-olds and read a book for an hour. Um, and it's the highlight of my week. And I, again, something I would never get the experience to do in the UK. Um, and I get to help run science club for the year twos and and things like that. And so there is a lot more opportunity for roles that don't really exist in the UK. Um, yeah. it's, it's very segregated between primary and secondary in the UK, whereas in the international schools, it's often th through or they're very closely partnered. Yeah. 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 I was going to say that's very, very similar to, to here. And one of the things that, I mean, I, I don't know, obviously other international school experiences, but our PTA is amazing. I have never known a PTA to be so involved in the school yeah. um, and, and so willing to, to help out. Like, I'll be honest with you, I completely had a nervous breakdown in the lead up to Christmas. We had our school play on the Monday, Tuesday, Lambda Showcase on the Wednesday. And then the following on the Monday, we had the, this big Christmas concert. And that meant working seven days a week with rehearsals at the weekends. And I live here alone without any family and my seven-year-old, who's such a good boy. He had to just come to all of the rehearsals with me so I can't afford the 25 euros an hour for yeah. childcare. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just one of those very tough mornings and, and the head of our PTA saw me having a moment, shall we say. It wasn't a very pretty look, but it happened. And she just booked me a nanny for two weeks. She paid for it all wow. um, to come to my house six o'clock every morning. So I could leave at seven to be there to cook dinner, take my son to school, do the cleaning, like everything. I mean, I, it, I felt like I was a queen. It was amazing. And just because she said you give so much to our kids, it's my job to give back. Yeah, and I would echo that. I mean, in Saudi, the the way they view teachers so this is a funny story that I, I tell everybody but so in the UK I mean God, my, it was a battle like every day <laughs> yes. um but but in Saudi I'd been there about two months and and there was a little boy and he was <laughs> he was making little like sort of blue tack paper balls and flicking them and in their perspective I told him off in my perspective I barely grumbled compared to what I'd had to do in the UK but I sort of you know it was very much a stop doing that you're driving me crazy do that again and I'm going to send you out and the next morning he arrived with his mom with a bouquet of flowers a box of Arabic pastries and a handwritten apology for his behavior now I hadn't even registered that that had happened you know because my behavior management was on a completely different magnitude coming from the UK um and I, and I didn't even know what to say. And she was like, he will never do that again. I'm very sorry. Um, we, you know, we, we respect you and we respect your time. And, you know, blah, blah. and I was just blown away by, by it. And, and they are, 
I have to say in the international community, the level of support for teachers is is much higher than in the UK. You know, we are villainized in the UK to an extent and and you just don't see that really. Um in in this in certainly in my school and as you say and as you say, Zoe, you know, the mm. the level of gratitude they have is just huge. Um it's just they are so, so grateful. Yeah, it's it really does make a difference. Like even if I've been out Christmas shopping with with my son or, you know, all by myself, it's always, ah, hello, come over, come over. And, you know, they're all so, so kind. But then on the flip side of that, I found um, when we went to lockdown, I mean, my school did an incredible feat getting everybody online learning. And it, it, we were the most successful school in Monaco for handling it. And we then have grown by 300 students since then. Yeah. So, well, well, well done to our school, but whew, classrooms yeah. are not getting any bigger. Um, so it's the, the, sort of the difficulty that's then come to that is parents feel as though we're contactable 24-7. And I am one of those people who does have an email on my phone just because no, Zoe. I can't. I can't switch off, but that's my issue. That's my issue. It's also a way for me to send things to remind myself to do. I'll leave myself a little voice note and, you know, it automatically types it and sends it to me. But I will wake up most mornings with seven or eight emails that have been sent overnight. I even had one yesterday. Oh, Miss, hi, Miss Gina, I'd really like to play the violin. Can you organise lessons? <laughs> okay. It's, it's Christmas, but all right, let me see what I can do. I didn't reply. I, I stopped myself from that. Um, but they, it's sort of this, and the majority of us are parents are business people or sports people, and they're always traveling, and they're so used to keeping, you know, being able to just get things sent when they're thinking about it. And I try not to reply outside of school hours. We don't have that law. In France, they do. In Monaco, they don't. Um, I'm very used to getting emails at 11 o'clock at night. It's normal. Um, but it's that part of the job is frustrating because I don't want parents to think that yes we are the teachers but we're not at your beck and call 24 7. It is true I'm sorry we've just lost Daisy for the moment hopefully we will get her back but Zoe I think I think the the boundaries thing in in international school is a bit of a weird one because they're not Mm. in the same way because you know yes in the UK I definitely saw parents out and about but I have parents at school who or I've taught both their kids who I would consider friends who, you know, I have gone for coffee with and things like mm. that. But in the UK, you know, you just you just wouldn't hear of it. We also have these things called parent dinners, which um, I think the current the new head is trying to phase out where, um, you know, the idea is, is that you, you as the teacher get taken out for uh, for dinner um by the uh by your kind of class parents and you kind of sort of are on ceremony i mean that again that would never happen in the uk and it's almost kind of that uncomfortable kind of thing of you know at what point do you say no on the 10th bottle of wine (laughs) (laughs) some people don't have an issue with it i mean i'm sort of on the fence about that one but uh yeah it is uh you do i think you do have to uh guard yourself um and your and your boundaries as 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 well and take those emails off your phone i know i need to i need it right maybe that's my new year's resolution you know by the second of january they'll be back on <laughs> well yeah um we have sadly lost daisy to the i think there's a storm sweeping through wales and her wi-fi seems to have gone kaput so we may get her back we may not uh zoe thank you so much for your contribution please do stick around um until we haven't got that much longer but i've seen we've got i think it was Munich, yeah, Munich, Munich, yeah, Munich, yes. 
Minister, yeah, sorry, that, I'm my wife glad I got that right. It just completely cuts. Sorry, so uh, we need to kind of. I can't remember what we. Uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Uh, we, we were saying okay, uh, connect to social media because uh, Facebook is very big out in the Middle East as well. Uh, so what right. Facebook groups are very good uh, to connect with different teachers. Oh yeah, most definitely. And um, I think it's, you know, platforms like X and all of that and, you know, shows, shows like this, we can definitely, you know, get, get the word mm. out there and, uh, and uh, help sort of uh, encourage more people towards, uh, towards also maybe towards places that they would otherwise uh, not consider. I certainly, um, even as an international teacher myself, have learnt a lot about places that had never even really crossed my mind prior to this evening. Same, same. It's interesting hearing, yeah, it's interesting exactly. hearing the different, different experiences people have had. Uh, oh, oh, most definitely, and I hope that uh, you've taken something mm. away from from it as well. And thank you for fighting your your way back into to talk. Oh, to us. I think it's uh, and I think it's really important. And you know, do do come back and then and talk to us uh, uh, again. Um, just before we wrap things up this evening, I should remind you once again that our response our our sponsor our sponsor is John Cat Educational, and they publish a wide variety of educational books, publications, all sorts of bits and pieces. So in keeping with our sort of theme of new year's resolutions and maybe considering that move abroad maybe considering branching out and reading something uh, in the educational sphere that you haven't before we still have a discount for you which is jcttr2324 uh, so please do put that to good use. Uh, I'm not sure for how much longer we have it. So uh, hurry, hurry. I might, I forgot to treat myself over Christmas. So I might treat myself in January, particularly since it's my birthday in January. So, uh, you know, um, I'm one of those poor people that, uh, yeah, gets lumbered with a near Christmas birthday. But, you know, so it's, it's one of those things. Anyway, um, what I would like to say is, First of all, thank you so, so much to uh, all of you who have listened in this evening and to all of our contributors as well. You're all still here. Zoe, I saw you unmute yourself there. Did you uh, want to say something before I wrap things up? That was purely by accident. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, gosh, don't be. I just thought, oh, gosh, I don't want to cut you off before you finished uh, saying what you want to say. But um, we have had... Oh, gosh, I think of too many contributions to mention. We've had Freya, we've had Zoe, we've had Alexandra, we've had Nisa, we've had Emily come in and have a chat. Um, so it's been absolutely wonderful. Um, and of course, my wonderful co-host, Daisy, who unfortunately, um, I think is um, having to uh, nail shut her windows at the moment. I think there's a named storm coming in. I can't remember what name they've gone with this time uh, in the UK, but they like to call them weird things like Gertrude. So it's probably something like that. Um so I hope, if nothing else, that we have given you at least some insight into the pros and indeed some of the cons when it comes to international teaching. I'm certainly looking to follow this chat up in January with some shows more directed towards kind of certain locations and the uh, pros and cons with each of those. So look out for those as well. Um, Mr. Tom Hopkins book, what else have we got to look forward to this Christmas time? You should know the answers to this, Lucy. Um, I but... do, but I feel you wanted to, <laughs> to leap in and, 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 and do them yourself. I, I do. No worries. Tomorrow, 3pm, we have the return of Ed Finch and Tape Cook um, with a Christmas social. Um, I've just listened to it today before it's released tomorrow, and it's absolutely fantastic. We've got some musical interludes. We've got some fantastic chat about H of 2024. Um, so that's going to be released tomorrow, 3 p.m. UK time. 29th is for Friday. Um, we know exactly what that is because it is the return of Starfree 101. Yay! 
It's me and Nathan and you, Lucy, and anybody else who wants to call in. I'm coming too. We talk about the things we want to remove from teaching as we go into 2024. Um, It could be nativity plays. It could be Amanda Spielman. It could be just about anything. Um, And then on the 31st, Lucy, you know full well because you're hosting the 2023 review. Um, So that is available to stream on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, um, everywhere, basically. Um, And we've got a bumper panel of TTR hosts and we're going to be reviewing the, well, the year in education and looking ahead as well to some predictions for 2024 as well. So that's what we've got lined up now for the rest of 2023. This is show one of a four show spectacular. Oh yeah, and it's been it's been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for that, Tom. I appreciate it. So please do continue listening into to all of those all of those shows, uh, particularly as um I am popping up in all of in nearly all of them, apart from Ed and Toby's. Um, I do. I was going to try and sneak in there, but uh, they were having none of it. So you know, you can but try. Anyway, this has been absolutely fantastic. Please do. Um, you know, if you have any questions to follow up, then you are welcome to get in touch with us um, through all the the usual platforms. And I will see you for Star from One Hundred and One on Friday. And in the meantime, have a think about some of the things that you'd like to put in the teaching bin as it were have a lovely rest of the day um i'm going to go and find um if there's any christmas pudding left see you later you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on teachers talk radio